Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 68. We're talking about 0.111, Belkin, Automatic, and we're talking to Nathan. Hey Nathan, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. And as usual, we have Phil. Hey Phil. Hey, how's it going? Good. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. Configuration is via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or YAML. So right off the bat, we have uh, our May the Cloud Strike Again piece. So continuation from last time, Belkin. There, there was a bit of controversy around what Belkin was doing with Wemo and such, um, and now it's basically confirmed that Belkin will need users to get uh, cloud accounts for them to continue using Wemo devices. So they're giving a little bit of a transition period, but at the same time, eventually folks like myself uh, will need to get a Wemo account. And a big part of that means you need internet, uh, so on and so forth. So it's, it's, it's again, it's not the worst, worst, worst thing, but at the same time, really, it, it starts to affect you now because now this, again, gives them more ability to kill more devices. And this only happened a couple of days after we uh, we found out about Belkin trashing their cameras. So, I mean, I like how you've taken the the diplomatic approach there and said, uh, I mean, it's, it's not the, the worst thing, but I mean, let's put it into context. Like last episode. Well, rel- relative to what they did the week before. Yeah. Well, I mean, now they're forcing existing users with their local control to now require the cloud. Yeah, exactly. And now they've got a track record of just forcing people with right. devices to basically brick them remotely. Right, exactly. So I, I know for myself, I'll I'll kind of be slowly start to look for other devices as well because again, I don't I don't see them keeping some 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 of my uh, Wemo switches are some of their first generation ones, so those are pretty old, and and I have a feeling they'll want to kill those off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I mean, preemptively, I'll probably start looking up uh, looking for another brand to move to. So I think the upshot of it is for Home Assistant users is that if you are prompted to log in with a Wemo account, don't do it. Uh, Once you set your Wemo device to be linked with a Wemo account, you will lose all local control. So, uh, and, and they've even got it on their website, you know, in their frequently asked questions. A Wemo account requires an active internet connection to function. As soon as your Wemo devices are linked with a Wemo account, you will only be able to control them on a network with an active internet connection. Which is also going to add latency. You know, if you're using an app in the same network, you're going to have to dial out to wherever, you know, US, Europe, some AWS server somewhere, then back into your home just to turn a, a lamp on and off. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, even, even that's okay. Again, for me personally, I'm more worried about losing my devices not not that the latency isn't an issue it's definitely an issue but having no device is a bigger issue right so Mm. um i'm gonna i'm gonna not update my account see how long i can push that off for um i don't even actually have the Weibo app installed on my phone nice so outside of that i think uh i think i'm gonna i'm gonna hold off and i'm gonna see how long i can uh i can keep this going so that you know i don't have to buy a new one but 
you know, real reality is I might actually have to still do that. So we'll see how long that goes. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And one that we missed last week, we had a, a really big episode last week with the huge Home Assistant release, and we didn't get time to put this one in, but Automatic is telling everyone to throw away their car trackers. So Automatic is a little device that you can plug into your car's, I think it's OBD2 or something like that. It's one of those diagnostic ports that your mechanic will use. You plug mm-hmm. that device in and it will then use your phone's uh, data connection to report the location of your vehicle, give you some insights, you know, what error codes is going on in your car, what's your fuel economy, and, you know, your distance you're traveling and all that. Well, because uh, we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic at the moment, COVID-19, the uh, they've just basically said, look, uh, just like many other companies in the United States, you know, the pandemic has adversely impacted our business and with fewer people purchasing, we can't afford to keep our cloud services alive. So we ask that you please discard your adapter by following standard electric recycling procedures. You do not need to send your adapter back to automatic because they don't want to have to throw it away themselves, I guess. Yeah, which makes sense. And to add insult to injury, you know, rub salt right in there. They've also said, we don't have any plans to open source our assets. Yeah. So thank you very much, automatic for that. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that, so I was actually looking at getting these a while ago and then I was like, mm. eh, I'm not a huge fan of putting my location and, and tracking my location on, on this at least, at least, and not that that's, you know, Google, Apple, those are kind of unavoidable. Uh, smaller companies, I also don't know really what they're mm. doing, where they're going. So, so I decided against it. But, you know, I'm I'm kind of glad that I didn't do that. But for whoever did, uh, that's really unfortunate. And, and yeah, it, it's too bad that they're not planning to open source anything. If people still want to use a car tracker, there is an integration in the name. Uh, I can't remember right now, but there is an integration in Home Assistant that allows you, I think there's a some software or a, assist, a service out there that allows you to run your own instance of a car tracking service. So you basically put the port, mm-hmm. uh, in, you put the device into your car and then you configure it to communicate with this service up, upstream and it can be your own local instance, I believe, or it can be, you can pay for someone to host it for you and then you can get the data into Home Assistant pretty much the same as Automatic did but without relying on them right. in their cloud. Right. And I, I believe it's a range of devices that can be used. So there's some options out there. Yeah, exactly. All right. So on to the new release, 0.111. Nice number again. I know, right? So from, from a new features perspective, um, so now the U, UI loads before other components. So if you frequently restart your home assistant or, or just restart it in general, uh, one of the one of the last things typically to reload, if you notice, is the Lovelace UI, mm. which has now kind of been flipped around, and now it's one of the first things that's been uh, and that that now loads, which is great. So then, at least you know, hey, my instance is back up uh, without necessarily having to look at the logs and such. Um, yeah. I do think Home Assistant's gotten a little bit faster, so it hasn't been as much of an issue, at least at least for me that I've noticed. Uh, but but I definitely definitely appreciate that one. Yeah, it's a bit jarring when you load up Home Assistant and everything is sort of unavailable, like entity gone, entity gone. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, crap, what's, what's <laughs> gone? But now that we've got safe mode, you know that things are haven't broken. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think this is a good feature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 entities will be in an unknown state until until everything's loaded. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take that. 
Yeah. Right. So at, at least it's a good uh, indication of home assistance to back up and, and go on from there. And Rohan, I'm really pleased that this isn't such a big release. So I'll just skip over the, the next two quickly, but because there's nothing really that we can discuss more about it. But Open Z Wave Beta, which we talked about last week, which was using, I think, under the hood Z Wave to MQTT and their device API with Home Assistant, um, that's now added support for climate fans and locks. So if you're using that beta, mm-hmm. With your Z-Wave network, you can now add those devices, which is pretty good. And Insteon has also added support for climate devices too. So, yeah, great to see more additions coming up to, you know, long-time integrations with Home Assistant. Yeah, for sure. And especially not cloud-based ones. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It'll help people transition over from Wemo and such. Mm. So some noteworthy updates. Uh, Automations now uh, mark as triggered pretty much immediately. So especially when uh, when you care about the last triggered time and such, this makes a difference. Before it would kind of been it'd be marked uh, as it's triggered once the action is done. So the difference is, especially if you have a large automation, this might actually make a big difference. Where you know it might be a minute to run the whole automation, or or maybe mm-hmm. longer. So now it kind of gets marked right when you uh, right when you when the automation runs, whether you click it manually or, or, uh, the automation gets uh, run automatically. And then instead of it being triggered at the end. So I had no idea that was the case. I just assumed once it got triggered, that was it. I thought maybe they happened in parallel, but that, yeah, I think that's interesting because I use a lot in templates. Um, you know, I want to make sure that, uh, an automation doesn't get triggered too many times. You know, I might have you know multiple triggers against an automation, mm-hmm. but I don't want that automation to fire every time one of those triggers hits. You know, I might have a, a time trigger, right. a motion trigger. So yeah, that's very, especially if you're using delays in your automations or script service yeah. calls. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. More integrations moving along to over to the UI. Now it's Plex, June HD, OpenUV, they are Dakin air conditioners, They've all gone over to the UI. Uh, so start moving them out of your YAML. I don't think any of them will cause issues if they're still in YAML. And as you reboot into the new version of Home Assistant, the UI will populate them from the YAML. But moving forward, it might be start time to getting rid of them out of your YAML. If you use Slack uh, as your notification platform, there's now a template support for Slack blocks. So what that means is you can uh, have essentially blockified elements uh, coming into Slack. Uh, so you can have images, formatted text, and so on. Uh, so essentially, that now supports Home Assistant templates. So you can kind of change the uh, you can change the content of those blocks based on your templates as well. Mm-hmm. So that's actually kind of kind of a really neat ability. And now this is something I've perused in the release notes, and it's you know one of those line items that go oh. What, 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 is, what is that feature? I, I want to do a bit more investigation. And so yeah. the upshot of it is that the Amazon Echo adds more support for doorbell events. And I thought, okay, I need to I need to take a further look into this. So from my understanding is that now if you are have your Amazon Echo linked with Home Assistant, that you can now have a binary sensor exposed to the Amazon Echo and when you sync device entities back to the Amazon Echo, you could have one of those binary sensors come in to the app as a doorbell. And then you can have, for example, maybe you've got uh, an input Boolean in Home Assistant. When that goes on, the Amazon Echo will see that as a doorbell being dinged. And then the little lady inside your Amazon Echo can then announce, hey, there is someone that has just rang this doorbell. 
Now, that's what my understanding of okay. the feature is. Unfortunately, the the Home Assistant documentation around this was a bit lacking, and I did have some issues with the beta this week um, in my testing, so I wasn't able to fully try and, and test this out. I, I am hoping I've got this feature correct. There is a whole bunch of device classes that the Amazon Echo integration uh, supports, and I'm, I believe I've read the documentation correctly, and that's what it can do. So this might be cool. I know, for example, Rahan, I think you've got Ring as well, the doorbell. Yep. I have one, and it, can, it, it obviously Ring is an Amazon company, so it integrates very nicely with the Echo. Natively, yeah. And, you know, when there is a doorbell event, you know, you, I have that little lady everywhere in the house. Someone is at the front door, you know. Yeah. If this could be a great way for you to have that feature on, you know, maybe you've got a custom... Uh, integration with your own doorbell. Maybe you're just using a little smart... Maybe you're using one of those dash buttons that Amazon used to sell as a doorbell. They, they have yeah. the same feature. So I hope I've got that correct. I apologize if I have not understood that release note. I've tried to do my research on it, but I haven't fully tested it yet. But if that is the case, and what I've described is true, that will be awesome for a lot of people that are using third-party doorbell notification or third-party doorbell devices and integrations with Home Assistant that want, you know, that little lady in that Echo device to announce when there is someone at the front door. It is, uh, it, it is a good feature that they have, but I'm, I'm glad that they kind of opened it up now as uh, more yeah. of a, another, another entity, essentially. Can I just say to everyone listening, that was extremely hard not to say her name describing that feature. <laughs> I, I've got to say, I think, I think I've gotten decent at not saying the name and saying echo and that, that's why I, I like pause and it's like echo show rather yes. than <laughs> saying 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 the name and triggering everybody's uh amazon echoes so hopefully your echo doesn't respond to echo <laughs> yeah uh i'm sorry <laughs> can't help you there all right let's talk about some breaking changes um wanderlist automatic gear best and worldwide lightning location network have been removed so those uh those are those device are not just devices those sensors are no longer supported and the gear best sensor uh especially that was a scraping sensor and home assistant itself doesn't support scrapes anymore uh just because it's not a very scalable way and and we've talked about that for a few episodes mm. so um but but this is this is it was kind of a long time coming for that um uh, i'm not sure about wanderlist and world uh worldwide lightning location network uh, why those are gone, but uh, I'm assuming something similar, or or they've. I don't think one of them shut down, but what, whatever. I'm guessing reason. their API has just been more restricted, and that uh, worldwide yeah. Lightning location network. They just they just shut off their API. Catch you later. Yeah, it's nice of them. Well, <laughs> that it's one way to do it. So <laughs> great. Uh, so we mentioned before, Insteon now supports climate devices. There are major changes. So the library which is used for the Insteon integration has been changed. So a library that's uh, that Home Assistant uses to communicate with Insteon under the hood so they can go in and have someone else has written the feature. Basically, Home Assistant has just plugged that out and changed it with someone else's integration. And it could result in some breaking changes and also some improvements for you. So be sure to check the release notes uh, before upgrading because there is some notes around specific devices and, and all that if you are an Insteon user. And of course, there are other breaking changes in this release. These are just the, the two that we thought were pretty important. 
Yeah. Sorry, before we move on to Nathan, can I have a little bit of a rant, Rohan, just for one sec? You absolutely can. And that is, and it, it is about home assistance just because, so, uh, as I mentioned to you offline, Rohan, last week, my I lost internet for 24 hours. Not a big deal. I've had worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in one end in that time, um, I had to spin up an instance of a home assistant to run only local things, you know, remove all my cloud connections, basically, because I was having a lot of internal network issues as well. And and as part of setting up Home Assistant, I thought I'll just copy over the storage folder and be done with it, right? And it wasn't that easy. There was permission issues. I'm I'm running Home Assistant in a a Docker container. Um, But one that really got me, and so I I eventually said, that's it, I'm just going to set up a Home Assistant instance from scratch without internet. And and one thing that really got me and I thought was a bit of a an oversight was that without the internet, it's very hard to go through the user in, the user setup process in Home Assistant because now Home Assistant asks you to select your location. But in order to select your location, you have to move a Google map. And of course without internet you can't get Interesting. any map. And so I can't, I couldn't set my latitude and longitude in Home Assistant through the UI without an internet connection. And I thought that's a, that's very frustrating. And I know a lot of people are now like with, you know, YAML being deprecated for user interface. I thought that is, it's a valid case where I, I know what my, I can easily Google on my phone what my latitude and longitude is. Like, let me put it in somewhere, either put it in through the UI or allow me to upload it through YAML, which I believe I can do still. But I thought that was that that just really grinded me for that week. I thought that's that's a, a pain in the bum. Interesting. I would have thought there's I, I have I haven't uh, done a fresh Home Assistant install in a while, and and hopefully yeah. I won't have to for a while. But uh, <laughs> it's it, it's interesting that there's no there's no skip option or or anything like that. So that's uh, yeah. I think there are yeah. I yeah, eventually just whatever the default was, which I think it comes out as like somewhere in Europe. I just said, yeah, that's fine, whatever, which obviously sure. then affects my sunrise and sunset times um, and throws yeah. all that off and all that. So it was a bit of a, obviously got around it eventually, but I thought that was, that's my pain point for this week. That's my, my grumpy feel for this week. That's, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Is there is there no manual input for the for the map? I thought there was like two numbers you could enter for. I, I couldn't see it on the UI. Maybe it's been removed, or maybe I maybe that's been recently added. I in that screen, I I, I couldn't see, it. and maybe my frustration of that map just being grey, I skipped over it, which could also be possible. And then I look like a fool, which fair enough. I'm, I'm happy to. <laughs> 
to be. I because as I like Rohan, I haven't in, done a fresh install of Home Assistant in quite some time. Uh, I, I've had my in, in secret files and in YAML for quite some time, so I, I didn't see the any input for me to manually select it. But even then, like dragging a map to put in your location, it does seem a a very poor way of doing that from a user interface perspective. Because even if you have internet, you're gonna have to drag that pin over your exact location and you know find it. You know, for example, you'll have to find in Canada on the map and then zoom right. in to where you are exactly in Canada. So you can't even type like Toronto, Canada or something like that? Not that I'm aware of. Well, especially if you don't have internet. Yeah, yeah. But I'm guessing it would be cool if they could somehow use the Google Maps geocode API, for example, so you can type in an address and then it will spit back from that API what the latitude and longitude Mm -hmm. are of that address, which would make more sense. I do have a feeling it's not as easy as that though because Google are now charging for the Google Maps API, so you might not be able to ship an API key with your open source software and and all that. So I can see the reasons from a technical perspective. Yeah. I, I thought a while ago they switched to, um, what is it, OpenStreetMap, was it, from from Google Maps? That's for the, from the Google Map, yeah. And maybe that's also true. Maybe that map that I was seeing wasn't a Google Map. It was an OpenStreetMap as well. But once again, no internet. It was just gray. It was a gray box for me. Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah, because for some I could have sworn that that's, that's what... Uh, but but maybe they're using both components. I'm not sure. Again, like I said, I haven't I haven't done a fresh install in a while. But yeah, I'm 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 sure we'll we'll uh, find out soon enough uh, on on what and all what's those going on there, pretty but. icons for the integrations. You, they're all hosted in the cloud, which makes sense. You know, I don't want to have that ten thousand icons in my Docker image yeah. on my for yeah. something that I'm not going to use. I can understand that. Um, but yeah, that obviously also cause some quirks in the UI as well. Interesting. So like, like just, yeah, like, like, like I'm for me, if I'm, if I'm adding a device on a, on a home assistant instance that doesn't have, uh, that doesn't have internet, I'm, I'm okay with not getting the like Plex logo or Google logo mm. or what, or whatever. Right. But, but at the same time, you're saying like, it just, the UI itself just gets a little messy. Is that? Well, because the icons are such now an important part of that UI, yeah. You sort of yeah. get just broken image, like it's a, a wall of broken images and then titles, if that makes sense. Right, right. And I, and I must, you know, clarify this. This is very much an edge case. Um, a lot of people with that are installing Home Assistant will have an active internet connection, I think. Uh, it, it does highlight, though, that there is still a sort of a reliance on Home Assistant having a cloud as well. Um, I know a lot of it's hosted in GitHub and all that, so it's, you know, not going anywhere and, and can be easily reproducible. Yeah. But, you know, if someone does want to re- run Home Assistant on a, a remote cabin in the woods or an RV that doesn't ha- have internet all the time or even a boat, as we, we know is being used on, yeah, you know, it does, you know, it, there are some considerations and obviously very, very minor case, but important to highlight as well. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. All right. So Nathan, it's time for you to shine. You know what? Let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm from Vancouver, beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Nice. Of course. Um, I've been using Home Assistant for a little more than a year now. Started around mm-hmm. 0.86, I think. Okay. Um, back then I had absolutely like zero knowledge about any sort of these technical stuff, I guess. 
And all I knew is you, you get a smart device, you install an app, and then you pair it, and then it's voila, you just control it with your phone. So Home Assistant <laughs> so magic. was... Yeah, Home Assistant, yeah. I initially thought it was just an app that could connect everything together. And I, I didn't know you had to install anything or anything, but the documentation is, is just very great. And um, after much reading and stuff, I was able to get it installed, which... It was just woof. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. So I want to just address one elephant in the room, if we can, please. And how old are you, Nathan? I am fourteen. Right. So way to put us all to shame. So you're fourteen years old. Ram, what were you? <laughs> how how much of the house did you automated when you were fourteen? Uh not a whole lot. I think <laughs> I, actually, I think I had some X10 stuff, but yeah, but that's yeah, it. That's, that's true. That, that will be about yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah. now I feel old. I know. Yeah. So you, you're spinning up <laughs> Docker images and doing all this crazy stuff at 14 and obviously teaching yourself how Home Assistant works based on the documentation. So that's awesome. And I just want to say, because people probably won't recognize you from your voice, but Rohan, you can back me up on this. So for the past couple mm-hmm. of weeks, about a week and a half or so, you, you emailed us back in. March and I thought, yep, add you to the list. There you go. You're on. We'll, we'll interview. And so the past week, I've been really excited. I've been redoing. I, I was on Reddit and I saw this Reddit thread come up. You know, my take on the Lovelace UI, and it was a really awesome looking user interface of Lovelace. And I thought that's what I'm going to do. And I went into the GitHub repo, copied all the code. Rohan, I've been showing you what I've been working on. I've been really pleased with myself, to be honest, yeah. taking credit from this other person's uh, GitHub repo. And then last week you said, oh, by the way, here's my uh, repo, take a look. And sure enough, you are the person that has created one of the best Lovelace and unique Lovelace takes uh, I've seen, which is the clear UI. So I just want to say thank you very much for sharing your code. I've been all over your repo uh, and I've been loving it. And I'm guessing there's been, it caused a lot, it had a lot of upvotes as well. So I know there's a lot of people that saw your user interface and have been taken inspiration from it as well. So Awesome work there. Thank you. Yeah. J- just to clarify, it's actually called um, the soft UI, not clear. <laughs> the soft UI. Nice. Yes. yes. Oh, see, I can't even get the name it's- right. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, it, it, and, and it's awesome. So I, I checked it out a while ago as well and pretty much around the same time. I think I think Phil and I were chatting about it. I think, I, I don't know, one of us sent, I think maybe I sent it to you or you sent it, whatever. Mm. And we were like, wow, this is such a beautiful UI. Like, if if I could ask for a UI in Home Assistant that wasn't the Lovelace UI, I think I think this would be it, right? Like that natively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think it's very very pleasant and very well done. So so great great job right off the bat, Nathan. Thank you, thank you. You talked about kind of you know you you how you got into Home Assistant or why you got into Home Assistant. Um, what what are you doing with it? What are some of the things that you've uh, you've done? Um, so initially, uh, I got it for the sole reason of just in- integrating stuff into HomeKit. Um, we yeah. got some cheap mm. Tuya plugs, and um, I thought it would be cool to like have it inside the Home app. That that's why I looked into it. And sure, we we got a Pi to run HomeBridge actually, but the um, the JSON files and the keys wasn't wasn't very really easily to configure. And but yeah. with Home Home Assistant, all you need to do is just the account and the password. And even with the last release, Tuya is configurable with the UI now. Yeah. So it's just so much easier. And I was just blown away. 
So now we we have uh, obviously more devices, and our automations I I like to think are divided into kind of three parts. Um, so there's our motion detection and yeah. buttons and um, the uh, all the other stuff. Okay, so that's that's pretty cool. But what's driving your automations? So are you using Home Assistant to drive the automations, or are you doing all the automations based in the Home app, like to do the rules oh, yeah. there? It's it's all in Home Assistant now. Nice. Um, I initially used a Home app for a bit, but the it was just very limited. And of course, Home Assistant can do so much more than that. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you primarily interact with it? So, do you use the Home Assistant UI? Do you use the Home UI? Do you use uh, like a, like a smart speaker or or something like that? What do you What do you do? Um, for a while we used the Home app, but um, we have we now have like two tablets on the wall yeah. for for controls. Um, we sometimes use them, but most most often we just use the buttons around, which is quite convenient. Yeah. I have we have one taped under the kitchen island and. So it's very useful. You don't have to walk all the way to the light switch to toggle the lights right above you. So yeah. mm-hmm. you just press the button under, which is nice. just, yeah. What are these buttons? Are they like a HomeKit specific button? or? Oh, oh, these are all um, Xiaomi buttons using Zigbee. Nice. Okay. Oh, nice. Yes, yeah, I have a few of those. They're, they're, I really love those buttons. They are they, for so, something so cheap. They look so premium. And they yeah. act like it's a nice big toggle button, and you can also get the double ones. Yeah, really impressed with that. Those Xiaomi buttons. Mm-hmm. We use a lot of Xiaomi sensors. Um, we I think we have around forty, and they're they're all like really not that expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we yeah. have we have the smoke detectors and also the motion detectors and the door sensors. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that that's that's a pretty decent uh, kit. And they're all Xiaomi? Yes. Initially, we started using the gateway, but there was some sort of problem with um, if Home Assistant was running in a VM or in a Docker, and the sensors just would not update randomly. Mm. Just Right. Um, so we got a combi stick. We I, I started using decons, but yep. as soon as I restarted, the, all the devices just unpaired for, for some reason. I tried repairing them, but as soon as I would restart, the devices would not pair with the stick. So oh. now we're using um, ZHA, and it, it's been yeah. working well since. That's interesting. Are you, were you running decons in a Docker container? Uh, it's it's running as an add-on in Haseo or Home Assistant. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. A Docker container as well. That's interesting. Because I know yeah, I, I yeah. use decons with my Xiaomi stuff, and there's maybe I have one door sensor that sometimes doesn't update, and annoyingly, it's in my wardrobe, which is where I want it to update. Um, so yeah. I'll open the wardrobe, and the lights won't turn on, which is quite frustrating. But you know, that's the only one that really I've had issues with. Yeah, you have to you have to manually turn those lights on. No, I just have to shut the door and open it again. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's even funnier. But that 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 is definitely a first world problem if I've heard one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Nathan, you've you've done a, a quite a bit, and you've shared a lot of stuff that you've worked on yourself. As I said, it is. I really want to give you credit here for someone so young. You've shared a lot of the stuff you've worked on, and and really given back to the communities. And some of the stuff is really amazing. Like, can you tell me? 
your smart bed sensor? Like, wh- where did you get the idea to do that, and and how did you do it? Um, I actually thought uh, saw it on the forums. It was um mm-hmm. someone else's idea. I just, um it was using the capacitance pin- pins on the ESP thirty two, um, and yep. then you make a kind of a capacitor that would change based on the pressure above. So you put that under your mattress, and if you go on it, it would just um, change. And using the change, you can calculate if someone's mm-hmm. on the bed or not. So so you don't need anything else except for ESP32. That's amazing. Wow, that's awesome. And are you, like, soldering or connecting all this yourself? Yes, pretty much. My, my dad helps me sometimes. Yeah. yeah, but that's awesome. I mean, I'm too scared to touch a soldering iron myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And and these are really good skills to have too. So just uh, again, like Phil said, it's it's great that you're doing this this kind of stuff at such a young age too. Mhm. Yeah, home assistant's just very interesting to me, of course. Yeah. So so what are what are uh some of your favorite automations? What are some of your favorite things that you've created? Yeah, my my favorite automation is probably my alarm clock. So uh I actually have a Xiaomi Fitness band. So okay. with, with like linking and stuff, Home Assistant is actually able to tell when exactly I've fallen asleep. And <laughs> so scientifically, it has been proven that someone, someone is more likely to wake up after they've slept for a full, full sleep, mm-hmm. sleep cycle, which yeah. is um, one and a half hours. So I have like two inputs in Home Assistant that it's like two times you have to give that it's got to stay one and a half hours apart. So basically because home assistant knows when exactly I've fallen asleep home assistant rings the alarm exactly at when you have finished the sleep cycle inside the two times you have given it interesting okay so so that's that's theoretically the most easy time for you to wake up inside the two times you have given so so if you had to wake up as an example if you had to wake up at 7:30 a.m. you'd put it from anywhere from 6 a.m. to 7:30 and anywhere in that hour and a half time frame. Yeah. So say if you slept at say if you fall asleep at 5 mm-hmm. um it would wake you up at 6:30 because that is one full sleep cycle. So it's for you to most easily wake up. Nice. Wow. Well, that's all right. So mm-hmm. and so that and and so you it uses the band obviously to measure yeah. When you went to sleep, when you actually went to sleep rather than when you like hit the bed kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's cool. And also after the alarm clock rings, um, it first plays like a calming music for five minutes and then the radio starts playing. I have a super old radio plugged into a smart plug. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as I turn the radio off, it calculated when the radio started playing to when I turn it off and tells me how long I've been in bed since I turned the video off. So it kind of tells me how long it took for me to wake up. Yeah. And then it um, does the morning briefing with the speaker and also the door opens for me to go. Wow. What, what, uh, what, how are you opening the door? Uh, it's basically uh, a motor with two wheels attached to a door. It's kind of imagine it as like half of an RC car, like yep. cut and stick it on the door. Then, when it turns, it just drags the door open and then um, pushes the door close. That's awesome. That is amazing. It's, you're you're basically living in the Jetsons era <laughs> at this point. That's uh, that's pretty great. 
what uh so so that that's all all of this stuff is done through automations and stuff um so obviously like the wake up and and all of that stuff has to be but even the door opening all of that is 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 are you triggering that or or is that also automatic or what's what's happening uh the door um the motor is connected to uh, esp8266 and Mm -hmm. it's inside esp home so it's all all in home assistant nice that's um that is one of the coolest things i've i can i'm just imagining this like really aggressive looking door with wheels on the bottom that can just open and close <laughs> itself <laughs> yeah that that's actually really i, I don't think I've, I've heard that uh that use case i know there's people that have like pistons attached and doing all mm. this stuff but i i honestly i i i love it just because it's so simple right just how are you when it closes does the door shut all the way and like or like how are you getting around the the doorknob or whatever yeah i actually stuck a piece of tape so it doesn't like latch when it closes. yeah (laughs) or you could just leave it as is it won't close close fully but yeah so and and then i'm assuming afterwards when you go to bed if you say good night or something that it does it close the door as well or is it just opening i have a button on the bed so when I press it for like two times and the door just closes and I just go to bed. <laughs> That's awesome. When when Nathan's done with his parents, he goes, I'm done with you, taps his button twice and the door just like slowly closes on the person. <laughs> Boom, done. His door. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The ultimate mic drop. Yeah, that, that would make arguments with parents so much better. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do sometimes. <laughs> you should, you but, should have a slam button so the motor just runs faster and goes smack. <laughs> That's the I'm if, really angry button. If you make me take the trash out this week, I'm going to make you not be able to turn the lights on for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. So you, you've obviously got other people living in the in your house with you. So you've got parents and stuff. Have Whose idea was it like, because you now, you, you mentioned before that you've got buttons in the kitchen. Is it there? Are they like asking you like, are you giving them the ideas to do these automations or is it something that's like a, is it a whole family affair? Like how can we automate the house or is it just you driving this? Um, so at first it was kind of my dad's idea. He's like, Oh, smart switches. Very cool. And then mm-hmm. I kind of took over after I, I saw how cool it was. So it's yep. basically just um, me doing all the automations now. Nice. That's awesome. Good for you. And how do you come up with the ideas for the automations? Is there like a, a problem you see yourself and you go, oh, uh, I see, you know, maybe you've got a brother or sister, you know, oh, they're doing it this way. I can Maybe I can automate it that or, you know, mom has to do this in the morning. I can automate that part of her routine. Like what, what what's in your mind that makes you add to an automation or come up with an automation idea? Um, Just basically uh, um, I used to have this sheet that I – write everything everyone does from the start of the mm-hmm. day to the end of the day what how what lights do they turn on and which time but yeah I, that wasn't very helpful so i kind of just look around and if there's anything i can k- kind of help i would help that's awesome nice i'm sure your parents appreciate that too so make their lives easier mm-hmm. so l- let me ask you this so i know i know you mentioned you have the the xiaomi band and what, are you are you using that for any sort of presence or are you doing presence in any other way to say, hey, I'm home or I'm not home or mom, dad are home, whatever? I've actually found this very, very helpful custom component on hacks. It's called iPhone Detect. So mm-hmm. I think basically what it does is pings, the, pings your iPhone and even in deep sleep, your iPhone can respond. So 
that's how oh. we basically track our presence since everyone in our family uses an iPhone. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's that's been working great. That's been working better than the app and the other um, Bluetooth tracking and stuff. Yeah, that's okay. cool. No, that's great. So are you using uh, the voice control? Would that be... Uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say, is it, is it Siri that you're using for voice control or do you not use voice control in your house? Uh, we do use it sometimes. We also um, have one... Ele- oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no. One, one echo. <laughs> <laughs> one echo <laughs> yeah um yeah we use the echo sometimes but most often we just use the buttons around okay which is interesting so i know i've started putting a few buttons around the houses as manual overrides and and my wife made the comment of you've automated you've made the house so smart that you're now just putting switches around to automate buttons to make it down buttons that we could have just had on the wall originally like is that what we're doing now (laughs) that's pretty funny yeah so um a big part is triggered by um motion detectors but also sometimes you just don't know when you want to turn a light on but in those Mm. situations um just kind of have buttons around so it's easier than just um saying stuff exactly yeah that's awesome, man. Um, are you, are you, so you mentioned you have a couple of tablets around. Assumably that's why you designed that UI is so that they can go on the tablets. It looks nice. And is that, is, is was that the idea or yeah. you just do it anyways? Cause why not? That was definitely the idea. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And, and so how, how often do you interact with that kind of stuff with tablets? Like, like, cause you said mostly you and your family use the buttons just to kind of override or, Hey, turn on the light above my head, press the button there kind of thing. How, how often are you guys using one medium versus the other, whether it's voice, whether that's using the home assistant UI or home UI or buttons or tablet, like how, how do you guys? Um, so mainly all the lights again are, um, triggered by motion, but yeah. say if you're sitting on the couch and you want to turn off the lamp, there's just a button beside. So we would just often just use the button. But say if you're standing in the middle of the hallway and um, you want to turn some lights off, then you can use your phone. Um, like Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That's kind of handy. So you're doing a, a lot of hardware stuff. And, you know, you're using, you know, your ESP32s and A26s a lot. Do you have, and you're obviously doing some coding as well with your soft UI, with, you know, your CSS. I know you're obviously still in school. So do you have any, like, classes or anything in school that are helping you, like, learn these skills to be able to do it? Or is this just all come out of you just being stuck in isolation and, and being uh, and wanting to do a hobby at home? Like... Um, there, I don't, uh, there's not really any classes that's helping with home assistant, but I am trying to learn some Python so I can probably maybe help contribute something. Nice. Awesome. That'll be really yeah, cool. Well, I mean, you, you're doing a, a fantastic job and I know like, uh, I've been watching some TV shows cause it's obviously been a long time since I've been in school and now, you know, a lot of schools are offering sort of robotics classes and, and hardware and, and software sort of things. So I think if you're doing this stuff already by yourself, then and if you enjoy it, there's definitely you know when when you get out of school, like a lot of like the skills you're learning here are going to be very much relevant in the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's awesome, man. Good, good for you. I'm, I'm really happy to see that uh, you're doing all these, all these cool things, and and giving back to the community too, right? Like again, your your uh, soft UIs on on GitHub, and uh, uh, do you have any other projects on there? I'm just I'm just having I'm just opening it now, but yeah, so it's just your soft UI. So uh, yeah, it's nice to see that at least you're you're giving back to the community, with, and and again, this is a great way to start, I think, and again, very impressive. So yeah, thank you, and and all the unique use cases, uh, and that you're using for like you know you're using contact sensors to monitor the status of a door lock or, you know, you're got a, a chair sensor using just the contact sensor. Like there's like really cool use cases and, and sharing them back with everyone is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Home assistant is obviously very, very awesome, but I, I think more importantly is just the community around home assistant. And of course there's, there's a podcast about it. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, just big thank you to everyone listening. And of course, you too. Yeah. And thank you for contributing and, and, and making some really cool things. So and, and making the time to come on and, and share it with everyone on the podcast today too. Like we wouldn't be here with our people that Absolutely. willing to share their stuff. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on today and, and all the work you're doing. And I can't wait to see what you do when you've got your own house and yes, know, just got like free uh, rain. Free rain. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm very glad to be on the podcast. Thank you. Are your friends jealous of like how cool you your you you've automated your house? Just as a off the cuff question. Yeah, I I've taken some videos and sent to them, and they're like, oh oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all think it's very very interesting. <laughs> that's that's awesome. wicked. See, more more than anything else, it's that kind of shiny things that you can do that, you know, it's like everybody's like, oh, man, that's really cool. That that That's yeah. where the fun, like, icing on the cake stuff is, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you're having fun with that. Awesome. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for coming on today and good luck with everything you do. And keep updating that soft UI because I am really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much. Cheers. 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 If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.